0: There's there's uh, at, at this stage, what's the, what's the difference at, at between, stage, between the, Syria, there's, there's no, the situation in Syria and the situation in Ukraine? There's no U.S. armed forces inside mm-hmm. of Syria. And then they say he left troops in Syria. You know what I did? I left troops to take the oil. I took the oil. The only troops I have are taking the
1: oil. More and more countries in the global south have been speaking out and criticizing so-called multilateral organizations exposing them for their bias in the interest of Western governments. And this March, we saw a clear example of this in which the United Nations lied, falsely claiming that the U.S. military is not occupying Syrian territory. This happened at a U.N. press conference on March 24th, in which the deputy spokesman for the U.N. secretary general, his name is Farhan Haq, he was asked by the Chinese journalist Edward Chu if the US military is occupying Syria. The UN spokesman said, there is no US armed forces inside of Syria. There is no ground presence. This is a complete lie. This journalist, Edward Chu, pointed out the hypocrisy of the United Nations which has condemned Russia for violating the territorial sovereignty of Ukraine but hasn't said anything condemning the United States for over eight years now violating the territorial sovereignty of Syria and illegally occupying Syria's oil fields
2: couple of questions on Syria. Uh, yesterday, there's a um, drone attack to a U.S. base in northeast Syria, uh, which resulted in um, one dead, one death and six injured. Uh, after that, U.S. launched a airstrike, also killed 11 uh, people in, in Syria. Any reaction from the Secretary General on
0: this incident? Oh, well, of course, we continue to be worried about all of the Continuing tensions, uh, and and we are trying to see what can be done uh, to lower the tensions from uh, different forces uh, uh, in Syria, and we'll continue with those efforts.
2: Do you do you not urge everybody to respect the sovereignty and
0: territory integrity of Syria? Uh, well, of course, uh, that that's a that's a given, and uh, and obviously uh, it's important that the sovereignty and territorial integrity of Syria is respected. Uh, at the same time, uh, you're you're aware of uh, the the uh, complexity of the situation of foreign forces, but we call for them to exercise restraint.
2: But do you think the presence of the U.S. military in
0: Syria is is illegal or not? Uh, that that's not an issue that uh, that uh, we're, we're dealing with at this stage. There's been a war, but uh, is that is that th- there, there's because th- it, it there's sounds
2: very familiar. This week we talk a lot about the UN Charter, the the the, the international law and relative resolutions. But it, it sounds to me a foreign foreign presence, foreign military based presence in another country without invitation, sounds like sounds like something else to me,
0: you know. Uh, I'll i leave your analysis to you. Uh, that the, there's there's uh, at at this stage. What's the what's the difference between at, at, at this between, stage between the, Syria there's, there's no, the situation in Syria and the situation in Ukraine? There's no U.S. armed forces inside mm-hmm. of Syria, uh, and so uh, so I don't have a. It, it's it's not uh, a you, parallel you, situation. You, you're you're to sure some of the there's
2: no there's no U.S. U.S. military
0: personnel. I, I believe Syria. there's military activity. Yeah, uh, but uh, but uh, but, uh, uh, but uh, in terms of a ground presence in Syria, I'm not aware of that.
2: Okay, five U.S. service members were injured in that attack. If there's no, there were no U.S. soldier service members in Syria, how could they
1: got injured? Uh, that's weird, right? Should I ask yeah. you about that? In reality, the U.S. military has been illegally occupying Syrian territory since two thousand fifteen. This shows video footage of U.S. troops in Syrian territory where the oil wells are. And the U.S. military is illegally occupying them in collaboration with Kurdish separatist groups in Syria. And this footage is published by Kurdistan 24. The government of Syria, which is recognized by the United Nations, does not approve of the U.S. military occupation and has repeatedly called for the U.S. troops to leave. And yet they refuse to leave. This explains why this March there was a drone attack on a U.S. base with U.S. soldiers and a military contractor was killed. And this has led to several mainstream media outlets acknowledge the U.S. military occupation of Syria, although always with elements of propaganda in their reporting. The Associated Press admitted that American troops have been in Syria since 2015. And they admit that Uh, The U.S. military claims that supposedly the, the troops are there to fight the remnants of ISIS, which was defeated years ago. But the AP admits that in reality, Iran is another reason the U.S. remains in Syria. And they write, Tehran's political influence and militia strength throughout the region have created a security concern for the U.S. So this is acknowledging that the U.S. is illegally occupying Syrian sovereign territory, as part of its hybrid war on Iran seeking to weaken Iran. In another article that was published in the New York Times in early March before the drone attack on the US base, they admitted that the US still has hundreds of troops that are illegally occupying Syria. I read quote, America still has more than 900 troops and hundreds more contractors in Syria. So. It is an objective fact that again, the UN is lying about. Now, while Western corporate media outlets claim misleadingly that US troops have to occupy Syria in order to fight the remnants of ISIS or contain Iran, former US President Donald Trump also let the cat out of the bag and admitted that another significant reason that the US is occupying Syria is to steal its oil. Trump said this, Dozens of times he made it as clear as humanly possible. Here's a video clip that he did in Here's an interview. He did in Fox News where he just boasts that the US is stealing Syria's oil
0: Then they say he left troops in Syria. You know what I did I left troops to take the oil. I took the oil The only troops I have are taking the oil. They're protecting the oil. I took over the oil. We're taking the oil. oil.
2: We're not taking the oil. Well, maybe we
0: will. Maybe we won't. They're protecting the facility. I don't know. Maybe we should take it. But we have the oil right now. The United States has the oil. So they say he left troops in Syria. No, I got rid of all of them other than we're protecting the oil. We have the oil.
1: So that was Trump saying again and again and again that the U.S. is taking Syria's oil and this has also been acknowledged by mainstream media outlets like the Washington Post. They have a neoconservative pro-war columnist named Josh Rogan. And in 2018, he admitted, in Syria, we took the oil. And his article notes that the U.S. Had, controls 30% of Syrian territory, which is around where 90% of the pre-war oil production took place, referring to this as leverage. So this is the U.S., Stealing Syria's oil to prevent the government from rebuilding. This was also admitted in 2020 in an article in U.S. state media NPR, which said very clearly that the U.S. forces in northeastern Syria have a new mission, securing oil fields, not only from ISIS, but also from the Syrian government and Russian forces. NPR quotes a so-called embedded reporter, Tom Bowman, and it notes that he's traveling with American military forces. So this is a so-called journalist who's a propagandist who's literally embedded with the U.S. military. And he admitted, he said that Trump kept 600 U.S. troops to secure these oil fields, not only from ISIS, but also from Syrian government and Russian forces. Now the U.S. wants their Kurdish forces, their allies, their, their proxies, to use the proceeds from the oil to pay for U.S. operations. So this is, the US, this is a, a, an embedded reporter working with the U.S. military at U.S. state media outlet NPR admitting that the U.S. is stealing Syria's oil and using it to pay for its, its own mock, military occupation of Syria. Now, finally, the most blatant example of this, it's just a disgusting example of a US government official admitting that Washington is occupying Syrian territory and stealing its oil, is a video clip from Dana Struhl, who was the official who oversaw the US Congress's Syria study group, and then the Biden administration promoted her, and she is now the head of the Middle East desk at the Department of Defense, the Pentagon. She's a neoconservative warmonger. And in this panel discussion in 2019 at the neoconservative U.S. government-funded think tank in Washington, CSIS, which is you know a, another neoconservative warmongering group in D.C., she boasted that the U.S. military owns one-third of Syrian territory. That's how she put it, that it, the U.S. owns this Syrian territory, which includes Syria's oil and wheat, And then she boasted that Washington is using it as leverage to prevent Syria from rebuilding houses, rebuilding its country, after a decade of a U.S.-fueled proxy war.
3: The United States still had compelling forms of leverage on the table to shape an outcome that was more conducive and protective of U.S. interests. And we identified four. So the first one was the one-third of Syrian territory that was owned via the U.S. military with its local partner, the Syrian Democratic Forces. Now this was a light footprint on the U.S. military, only about a thousand troops over the course of the Syria study group's report, and then the tens of thousands of of forces, both Kurdish and Arab, under the Syrian Democratic Forces. And that one-third of Syria is the resource rich, it's the economic powerhouse of Syria. So where the hydrocarbons are, which obviously is very much in the public debate here in Washington these days, as well as the agricultural powerhouse. But we argued that it wasn't just about this one third of Syrian territory that the US military and our military presence owned both to fight ISIS and also as leverage for affecting the, the overall political process for the broader Syrian conflict. There were three other areas of leverage. One is political and diplomatic isolation of the Assad regime, so holding the line on diplomatic isolation, preventing embassies from going back into Damascus. Two is the economic sanctions architecture. So some of this is part of the maximum pressure campaign of the Trump administration on Iran, but there's a whole suite of both executive and congressional sanctions on Syria and Bashar al-Assad, both for human rights abuses in Syria and to the backers of Assad for their activities in support of him in Syria. And three was reconstruction aid. So the United States remains the overall largest single donor of humanitarian aid to Syrians both inside Syria and refugees outside of Syria. And there was some stabilization assistance in the part of Syria that was liberated from ISIS and controlled via the Syrian Democratic Forces in northern and eastern Syria. The rest of Syria though is, is rubble. And what the Russians want and what Assad wants is economic reconstruction. Um, And that is something that the United States can basically hold a card on via the international financial institutions and our cooperation with the Europeans. So we argued that absent behavioral changes by the Assad regime, we should hold the line on preventing reconstruction aid and technical expertise from going back into Syria.
1: So that is the reality, the dirty reality of the US military having this neo-colonial occupation of Syria, and yet the United Nations the spokesman for the Portuguese secretary general, who is very biased in the interest of Western governments. He claims falsely that the US military is not occupying Syria. So once again, the West has one set of standards for themselves and another set of standards for the rest of the world. They condemn Russia's invasion of Ukraine, but never say a word condemning the US military occupation of Syria or the US invasion of Iraq which this March is the 20th anniversary that led to 1 million Iraqis losing their lives, more than 1 million deaths, and not a word of criticism. This is the reality of the so-called rules-based order set up by the Western colonial powers. And unfortunately, the United Nations has shown that it is also a handmaiden to this very unjust, biased order. And fortunately, there are a few journalists who are willing to call them out like that Chinese journalist, Edward Chu, who deserves credit. With that said, I'm going to conclude. I am Ben Norton. This is Geopolitical Economy Report. I want to invite anyone who's watching or listening to please subscribe. And if you want to support our work here, you can go to geopoliticaleconomy.com support, or you can become a patron over at patreon.com slash geopoliticaleconomy. I want to thank everyone, and I'll see you next time.